Hello everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of the 411 Ground and Pound MMA podcast. We are your weekly look, mostly weekly, into the wide, wacky, wonderful world of mixed martial arts. I'm Robert Winfrey, wanting to just say thank you to everyone for continuing to listen. I don't care how you do it. Google Play, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, the 411 Mania website, uh, Stitcher... Pandora, I think we're on Pandora, iHeartRadio, I don't know. Any podcasting platform you guys want, that's where we are. Very, very grateful for you, your continued support. Always appreciated. All right, uh, I'm going to be flying solo today, can, so this should be a relatively short podcast. A pretty big news item, but just the one, so let's go ahead and jump into that, I suppose. No reason to beat around the bush too much. Uh, UFC the earlier this week came out and officially canceled UFC 249. Um, this comes on the heels of the UFC earlier in the week, kind of saying, "Hey, we've got a inter. We got a. I think I we talked a little bit about this last week. Uh, the main event for 249 was supposed to be an interim title fight at lightweight between Tony Ferguson and Justin Gagey. Uh, that fell apart." Well, that didn't fall apart. Um, some, so, I mean, about two hours after I recorded last week's episode, Dana White, you know, the news broke that Dana White, yeah, we're working on securing a private island for international fighters to come in. Just, oh, my God. I mean, that was... Okay, now, now, look, to be fair, private islands can range. In, he said they were you know, building out the infrastructure for this island so they could potentially host fights there. And I, I just have to wonder, I really do, is that really worth the financial investment? Because depending on what they mean by the infrastructure, you might have to be building a venue, or at least repurposing or renovating an old building to now work as a venue. You're probably going to have to work uh, you know, some of the uh, some of the utilities for that particular venue. The The power requirements for a major broadcast like that are fairly significant. There's questions about, you know, lodging. Uh, how is that going to work? Uh, medical facilities on the island. Are you going to have a hospital? If not, what are you going to do if someone actually needs urgent emer- uh, emergency medical care? Etc., etc. So just, I... Ugh. I, more importantly, here's a slightly better question as it pertains to this. If the UFC is prepared to invest the kind of money and time it would take to build out the infrastructure of a private island to appropriately accommodate fights, wouldn't they be better off just paying the fighters and canceling events? I mean, in all seriousness, you're paying fighters probably close to... I, I've seen the numbers. Like, I think they, the UFC, when, that, when kind of pressed about how much of their revenue goes to fighters. They say around 20%, but they include things like USADA as part of fighter compensation, which is a giant joke, by the way. So it's closer to 17%-ish. So 70% of total revenue in the UFC is going to the actual fighters. But they're going to spend however many millions upon millions of dollars it takes to support building out an infrastructure necessary to host fights on a private island? I mean, 
I don't know. I don't even know what to say anymore about this. Like, fighters, you're getting screwed. You know you're getting screwed. You, you have to know you're getting screwed. And the reality is there's only one way to, top to bottom, actually deal with the problem. And you all know what it is. But for whatever reason, nobody's willing to look at it. Uh, and just briefly, to anyone... I know there's some people like, ah, oh, if you unionize, then everyone makes the same. No, no, they don't. Every NFL... The NFL has a Players Association. The NBA has a Players Association. Do you think that LeBron James makes as much as a generic first-year guy in the NBA? Pick whatever superstar you want in the NFL. People make more than other people. There's still more than enough room to appropriately incentivize performance. It just be- it just benefits everyone. And uh, I don't want to get I don't want to get too deep into politics. And if the if not all fighters would necessarily qualify, I mean I don't think boxers have any kind of association. But the entire landscape of boxing is vastly different from. MMA. The UFC has structured itself like the NFL, like any other major sporting league. Because they have done that, I'm of the opinion that it has made a few things inevitable, such as fighters being employees rather than independent contractors. And fighters as organizing and I mean by necessity somewhat being entitled to more than they're I mean, being entitled to more than they're getting. They are radically underpaid. That's just kind of the way things are right now. Uh, anyway, finally came down a little bit uh, earlier in the week. UFC 249 is canceled. Uh, and every future event for the UFC right now is currently postponed. This, on the back of a couple of things. First of all, there was an article in the New York Times, and I think there was another one in the Wall Street Journal, that were critical of the UFC's decision to continue forward with events given the state of the global pandemic. And somewhat in light of that, uh, there was a statement put out by Senator Dianne Feinstein, one of the California senators, that was seriously critical of this move by the UFC. And when Dana said that he was contacted by the highest, you know, by, high, by high, you know, the higher-ups at ESPN and Disney, uh, that's because the California governor, uh, Gavin Newsom, apparently reached out to Disney and expressed concern about the events continuing to go forward. Um, that also somewhat in the wake of the uh, location for UFC 249 finally being confirmed as potentially the uh, the casino in Tachi Palace, which is on Native American ground. Um, look, I will never, I will almost certainly never say anything nice politically about, Diane, about Senator Feinstein or Governor Newsom. I... I disagree with them politically on just about everything. It doesn't mean they're wrong in this particular instance, uh, and I, I don't think they are. I'm, I said you know, a couple of weeks ago and last week this probably shouldn't happen. Now, it's not, and the response has been a really bizarrely fascinating one to look at. Um, a lot of managers... And a lot of you know people like that have been very critical of the media, specifically the MMA media, and threatening to cut off you know fighter interviews and radically restructure who they're going to give access to. And 
uh, fighters, for the record, if on the off chance any fighters listening to this, if your agent is in the midst of defending the UFC rather than advocating for your best interests overall right now, you, should, you need a new agent. It's, it's just pathetic that so many agents and power brokers in the space are sucking up to the UFC and towing the party line when, I mean, by necessity, their job is not to represent the UFC. Their job is to represent their fighters. And, I don't know, maybe you could cobble together some kind of argument about representing the fighters' best interest by supporting the UFC and continuing to be in good standing with them, but I'm, I'm sorry, I don't buy that. I just don't. This is just... Uh, another example of profound institutional corruption that goes on in this sport. It's sad. But at least to people that are kind of up to their necks in the crap storm that is MMA on a professional level, again, I can kind of see how they get to where they get there. Again, I think it's pathetic. Well, vaguely pathetic, if not outright pathetic. But I understand it. You know, there's there's uh, you know, real-time reality incentives and structures and real-time penalties for them, depending on how they conduct themselves. And I don't like it. I don't think any fighters should like it, but I'm not going to pretend that I don't understand it. The backlash from the fan base, to me, is the most bizarre thing. There's so many people that came out of the woodwork defending Dana White, and I thought those people were gone. I I had hoped those people were gone. I mean, th- some of this is going to have to go into get into how long I've been in and kind of around the sport, right? I don't say this to brag. Plenty of people have been around the sport longer than I have, but I've I can very distinctly recall the times when people and the fan base just would crawl on their knees through broken glass and hot coals in defense of Dana White doing something stupid. Now, to be fair, Dana White's done a lot of things correctly. I'm not here just to throw the man under the bus, but this is not really about Dana necessarily, this is about the reaction. And I I just remember every freaking week Dana would say something stupid and there'd be a giant contingent of people that would come out and defend him. Or he'd say something, if not stupid, Controversial. Again, let's you know take the outright idiocy out of it. Though, don't get me wrong, there was a vocal contingent of people that supported him when he said things that were just out and out stupid. But you know, anything controversial, they would come down on his side. Uh, Dana's cult of personality is a real thing. It had kind of faded from the consciousness for a while, due to either Dana dialing himself back or that particular generation of fans maybe falling away from the sport or chunks of them. And then they just kind of came out in force after this, and I'm just... Ugh. I didn't like those people. I, I, uh, I didn't like them initially. I, I still don't like them now. There was another group that... So there's, there's that group that's just, you know, been Dana can do no wrong. There's a bunch of people also that don't seem to really understand the function of media <laughs> as a general rule. There are people out there claiming that the MMA media is supposed to be nothing but a PR wing of the UFC, which is utter crap. That is not the job description of media. 
It's how the UFC has treated MMA media for a really long time. And personally, I'm, I don't even really know how to describe this. If you're newer to the sport, you don't, you may not remember, I may not have been around for the time when, you know, like 06, 07, when the media was, the MMA media was essentially beholden to the UFC and was full of nothing but like sycophants. And it, it was, it was rough and it was rough for a long time. A few years ago, there was a vocal contingent of the fan base that kind of got fed up with the glad-handing and the softballing and the state of MMA media. We started the fan base, and I, I, I say we in this case because I was fairly vocal about my opinion on this. I didn't want them to be a PR wing of the UFC. That's how the UFC saw them. That's how a lot of them behaved. I'm not going to pull my punches here. Not all of them but there were a lot of them that behaved that way. And a lot of us got sick of it, and we made noise about it, and thankfully things changed. Chunks of the MMA media became more media. And we finally have a situation here where the job of media, which is to ask questions and to report the truth, led to what I think is the correct outcome, and the number and this giant fan backlash now has swelled up against them. And it's ridiculous. The media didn't cancel this event. Uh, I'm sorry, there's another kind of bit that goes along with this. The number of people that were just, you know, accusing Khabib Nurmagomedov of, like, running scared, uh, which is just the most ridiculous sentiment in the world. I mean, Khabib's bona fides about being a person who is not scared is about as ironclad as you can get. He comes from one of the most dangerous and war-torn parts of the entire world. He's undefeated in the toughest division in the sport, in the U- in the UFC, the biggest promotion in the sport, and is the lightweight champion. He has signed to fight Tony Ferguson five times. If he were scared of Tony, he would never have signed to begin with. He's not afraid of Tony. He's not afraid of anything. Oh, I wouldn't say anything, anything, but, you know. If if that man's resume uh, does not essentially inure him from criticism about his, I don't know, level of bravery, if that's what we want to call it, then, then no one's is. Then anyone who does not immediately conform to your conception of reality and what benefits you at that particular point in time is just subject to whatever random criticism you want to throw at them. That's, which is, again, not a very useful way to go through life. He's not afraid. He's just not. He just wasn't going to fight in those conditions. I don't blame him. Rose Namajunas pulled out of this event. She was supposed to be in the co-main event. Turns out a couple of her... She announced she pulled out, and there was a significant amount of blowback. And... I mean, eventually it was. It came out that a couple of her family members have passed due to COVID-19, which is absolutely terrible, and to whatever extent my condolences are worth anything, uh, her, she and her family have them. But I, I mean, really... 
even if it wasn't some, you know, personal tragedy like that that caused her to pull out, if she just said, no, I don't feel comfortable fighting under these conditions, everybody else should shut up. No reason for that to have gotten, for, for her to receive blowback on that. Absolutely none. But, uh, she got it because, uh, because she did not conform to what the fan, uh, a chunk of the fan base wanted, I guess. I don't know. It's again, it, it was ridiculous. It was absurd for her to receive any kind of pushback on that at all. Uh, I really do have to say this last, you know, the last week or so, especially the last like four to five days, um, has really reminded me that there's a giant contingent of fans of MMA that are just the worst. That don't. Yeah, again, here's I think this is kind of the reality about the people who are upset about this event being called off. They don't care about fighter safety. And let me be very clear about this. When I say fighter safety, I mean anyone now who is complaining about this event being called off, who is throwing shade at Mario Yamasaki for a late stoppage, you're a blithering hypocrite. That, that's all you are. It's... If you care about fighter safety, to the extent that it is possible to do what they do safely, that's what we should all want. We don't want to see late stoppages. We don't want to see people significantly injured or impaired or, God forbid, killed. We want them to compete under the safest possible circumstances. At least that's the rational way to go about this. And there's a giant chunk of the fan base that essentially outed itself as unbelievably... Selfish. Like, uh, not just a little selfish, like, unbelievably selfish. It's one thing to not really care about a fighter's safety or well-being. These people you know, voluntarily get into a cage and fist fight for money and are trying to inflict severe, potentially life-altering physical trauma on another human being. Like, uh, and I've made my peace with this. So it's one thing to say I don't care about their safety. Well... First of all, you kind of should, because there are conditions by which fighting, or, you know, cage fighting, any sort of combat sport, becomes unethical at a bare minimum. Uh, I mean, how do I say this? We're not dealing with like the gladiatorial days in Rome where the, pe- people were fighting nearly to the death, to the death, or you know, something roughly approximating it in most, in some cases. That is that is such an unethical thing, and we don't. The re, again, part of the reality about watching and enjoying MMA is you're enjoying in many from a from a functional perspective. You're enjoying the same thing. You're enjoying human on human violence for entertainment. Now, how do we counterbalance that with trying to live, you know, ethical, moral lives? And we put reasonable restrictions in place. We don't. We don't fight to the death. We minimize where there's certain techniques that we've just deemed, you know, this will severely, this thing that could very easily be done could severely alter someone's quality of life. We find these things unpalatable. There's a degree of medical attention that is imminently available. You do everything you can to reasonably do this safely, again, to the extent that it's possible. And... and that, and that's the best we can do right now, uh, is 
kind of you know, how the state of the sport is. And the people who just want to forego the safety of the the health and safety of the fighters, I can at least somewhat understand parts of the argument. Parts. To say that you don't care about the safety of not just the fighters, but everyone in their entourage, every UFC employee, every commission employee, every medical person who has to be in attendance for this, to th- and you don't, so now you are, again, directly expressing that you don't care about any of those people, or any of the people those people would spread this thing to if someone tests positive and then winds up spreading it. It's, it is, again, it's a ridiculously callous, selfish way to want the world to operate. You want to watch fights, and come hell or high water, you will throw anyone under the bus that got in the way of that. Which is, again, borders on the pathetic. These are human beings, friends and family, at every level of how how a fight is, an event goes off. There's human beings with you know, loved ones, and you're just going to turn a blind eye to the risk that's being imposed on them at large for the sake of your own personal entertainment. I'm sorry. That's ridiculous. I mean, I'm not going to tell you to get some empathy or anything because I find that to be an incredibly stupid. I don't know, uh, insult, comeback, whatever. But that's just not a good way to, even if you don't want to, you know, even if empathy is kind of an issue for you, it can be for me at times, it doesn't make sense logically. Like, there's not really any of the, you know, the pillars of going through life, ethos, pathos, or logos, that really should be supporting an event going on right now. The only way you get to wanting it to go on is an unbelievably selfish outlook on events right now. And, again, it's pathetic. Uh, um, The most amusing thing, I think, to come out of this, for me at least, was um, all of the all of the people that you know, uh, have kind of been crying for mainstream attention for the for you know MMA and the UFC you got it you got in the New York Times you got in the Wall Street Journal you got a sitting senator and a freaking governor to pay attention to you for the wrong reasons but you got it this is what real scrutiny can look like uh <laughs> i know there were some people like harassing the author of uh the authors of those articles on Twitter buddy they don't care at all this is what happens when journalists who can't be bullied by the day-to-day realities of MMA you know, dip their toe into the space. And there's a lot of people that live, you know, deeply within the bubble. And when, you know, someone legitimately takes a look at the sport from outside of the bubble, there's a lot of ugliness here. There's a lot of great stuff, too. I'm not, I am not trying to be, you know, complete Debbie Downer here but I'm not going to pretend that there's not ugliness in the sport or the uh, the UFC brass or the fan base uh, because there is. And we've we all figured out a way to live with it and you know anything that you're deeply invested in like you have to be if you care this much about fighting 
there's a degree of the ugliness that you just kind of get a you become a nerd to it. You get used to it. It doesn't mean it's not there. It means you figured out how to live with it. So when someone from outside of the bubble points out, hey, that's pretty ugly. If your response is shut up and go back to doing something else, I hope you never get assigned to cover the sport again. That's a really that's a pretty deep stage of denial. Look, the ugliness exists. Deal with it. Deal with, and you know, find a healthy way to deal with it. Because getting mad at people for doing their jobs, for you know, having legitimate questions about <laughs> the safety, responsibility, etc., of the UFC trying to hold an event right now, those are real questions that should be asked. Um, and if that disrupts your if your response is, but I really wanted to watch fights, um, sorry, life sucks sometimes. Right now, life sucks. I I don't really have anything else to tell you. Other than that, I tend to think it's irresponsible to hold an event right now. And I'm not happy about that. And l- lest anyone accuse me of, you know, being gleeful and happy that the UFC canceled this event. I'm not happy. Alright, I... <sighs> I like fights. I like watching fights. I like watching event the UFC events. I mean, I wanted to watch Tony Khabib. Heck, I wouldn't have hated under different circumstances. I don't hate Tony Gagey. That's a heck of a fight. Who could be against that? Those two maniacs? Oh. There's so much <laughs> that, you know, I wanted to watch. I... I am not happy, but I'm not, I'm not, I was never going to come here and lie to you guys about that and say, well, you know, I have questions about the response, about, you know, how responsible it is to do this, but boy, am I excited for the fights. No, the, my, my serious questions about the responsibility and safety and whatnot of these kind of conditions overshadowed my desire to see the fights, which I think is reasonable in this case. I am not happy. I'm somewhat relieved. I mean, I know that uh, that particular venue has hosted fights before, but I think the most troubling thing that came out of one of those articles, I forgive me, I can't remember which one it was, was that the nearest hospital to the venue is 40 minutes away, which is a fair chunk of time if someone needs emergency medical attention. You know, somebody gets knocked out really badly like, really badly, and you've got to rush them to the ER, which happens. doesn't happen often, thankfully, but it does happen. You're going to have to, you know, go through a 40-minute drive. Then, you know, on top of that, we're talking about a time, a period of time when most of the modeling, this is the predictive modeling for the outbreak here in the United States, indicates we'll be at or near the peak of infect not just infection but of you know people needing hospitalization so you're going to be taking med- I mentioned this you know last week you're going to be taking medical personnel away from other circumstances that are probably much more dire you're going to then potentially put fighters in a position where they will be I don't even know if it's inordinately far away from the nearest hospital I'm not I would have to I really do need to pay more I need to look that up I think you know, just how far each individual venue is away from uh, the nearest hospital. It's a very relevant statistic. 
but you've got a you know 40 minutes away if you're assuming there's nothing terrible with you know traffic or whatnot to then potentially go into a hospital that is at or that is very likely swamped with you know covid cases or you know people in that that kind of medical distress it was just such a bad idea and i'm i'm going to steal luke thomas's line cuz i think it's probably the most accurate way to describe this i'm not happy i am relieved I mean, this is not a... It is the responsible thing to do. I'm I'm not going to pretend to be happy, though. Because I, I do want to see fights. I do miss them. You know? <laughs> it sucks. It really does. But it sucks a little bit less than the alternative. And that means uh, we get to live with it. Uh, so that's state of UFC 249, it is done. Um, I I really hope the UFC paid all the fighters. Uh, I know, and again, every event after that is postponed right now until further notice, which... Uh, so at the moment, they've listed that through everything that they have currently announced, which goes through August 15th. Everything is currently postponed. So again, that would be 2:49, which next week or so will be canceled. Uh, the Smith versus Teixeira card, Hermanson Weidman UFC 250, which lost half of its main event this last week, because uh, there were supposed to be, you know, uh, Henry Cejudo and Jose Aldo. Uh, that got pulled in favor. Well, that didn't get pulled. Aldo had to withdraw. I can't remember why. See if I can find out, actually. Um, okay, parent... Oh, okay, I see what it was. Um, when countries started shutting down, the UFC was going to move UFC 250 to either Fight Island or somewhere in the United States, and Aldo couldn't get his visa done in time. Uh, to make it, So he wasn't have been able to travel to the United States to make that particular fight. So instead, the UFC had signed, uh, uh, there were verbal agreements in place, if nothing else. Dominic Cruz coming back and fighting Henry Cejudo for the bantamweight title. Boy, it must really suck to be a, an elite-level bantamweight in the UFC right now, huh? I mean, just imagine for a second you're Peter Yan, Aljamain Sterling, Marlon Moraes, or Corey Sandhagen. First, you have Jose Aldo jumping over all of you after losing a fight to Marlon Moraes. I'll admit, look, close fight, competitive fight... Not saying there's not an argument, Aldo won. There is. I'm saying he lost. And it wasn't at the end of the fight one of those that you went, and boy, he got screwed. He didn't get screwed. He lost a close fight. Sucks. It happens. Uh, First of all, you have Aldo. Zero wins at bantamweight, ever. (laughs) Jumping over all of you, including a loss in his bantamweight debut. And then when he falls out, their response is, how about Dominic Cruz? Look, I love Dominic Cruz as a fighter. But the man hasn't fought since December of 2016. I mean, seriously, he has not fought since, at all, during the entire current presidential administration. Think about that for a second. Now, slightly crazier thing, I tend to like his chances, believe it or not, as I think about that fight. I do kind of like Cruz's chances over Cejudo based on the matchup. 
But still, four years out is an insane amount of time to be off. But again, you've got three or four top-ranked bantamweights who have wins in the division. Uh, just getting screwed because reasons. <laughs> so, uh, I, I mean, I, I at least kind of loosely understand how we got to Aldo. I mean, Dana potentially thought he won that fight, if that's actually what he thinks. And again, fair enough that you can score that fight for Aldo, and I don't disagree. But he, he just wanted a somewhat a something of a star, a Brazilian star in the main event of Bra- a Brazilian card. And the reality is the UFC doesn't have a lot of Brazilian stars. Um, there has not really been uh, that next you know wave of action. There's well, let me be clear. There are some great fighters that still come out of Brazil, but there hasn't been that wave of you know, stars, people that really kind of inspire the masses and the fan base to come out. And, you know, to Aldo's credit, he's still a very, very capable fighter. He's not, you know, some old, uh, you know, broken-down version of himself out there for nostalgia's sake, like the UFC trying to... Like that third fight between Shogun and Little Nog, the UFC's been trying to... Like, they might have actually put together... They're not. They're, he's not that level, but Brazil doesn't have a lot of you know star power right now, and the UFC wanted a Brazilian star in the main event of that event. So Aldo, yay! Ugh. Again, it, it must really suck to be one of those bantamweights and just get passed over and passed over and passed over and passed over for no good reason. Um, so anyway, all of those events have been, everything else has been postponed. And we'll, you know, resume normalcy when it is prudent, or nearly prudent, to resume. Uh, <laughs> activities. Um, yeah, and again, I'm not going to lie, it sucks. It really, really sucks. Uh, I've been finding ways to fill the time with other fight-related content. And I hope they come back soon. I hope the world get back to, gets back to normal soon. I really do. I don't like things the way they are right now. I don't think anybody does. It sucks. And that's just kind of the reality. Um, I know that's kind of a down note, but on the plus side, you know, we do all still, hopefully we all still have our health. Hopefully this, hopefully the precautions we're taking have the desired effect and make this easier on all the relevant medical personnel, minimizes the casualties, and that's really all we can kind of hope for, so... That's where we are, as far as that goes. So the UFC finally postpones everything. Um, again, I hope the fighters get paid immediately, like, immediately, immediately, because 
the number of fighters that live fight to fight, so essentially paycheck to paycheck, is incredibly high. Which is profoundly sad, but again, the UFC roster has been, has always been undercompensated. So hopefully they all get paid, and, and we can all, you know, keep working to find our way through this together, because... The more we get, uh, you know, the crazier we get about, you know, taking this out on each other, the worse it's going to be. So let's all take a deep breath. It sucks, but the UFC postponing events is not the end of the world, guys. It's not. It's not even a symptom of the end of the world. It's a symptom of the world not operating normally. The world's not operating normally right now. It should resume normal function uh, I know there's been a lot of like very negative uh, speculation right now. Some place, some places speculating not until November. Uh, I don't think that's accurate. I tend to think another couple of months we'll be back to not full-blown normal, but things will start getting back into gear a little bit. Because um, what we're doing right now is not sustainable for that long a period of time. Uh, so, hopefully, in the nearish future, things will get back to normal, which is, I think, what we all want. So, let's all hope, because that's what we can do. If you're religious, and I am, then prayer is always appreciated. Uh, okay. On that note, uh, I think that's everything I have. So, uh, yeah, let's go ahead and get into plugs. Fairly short episode this time around, but not a whole lot to talk about apart from the fan blowback over an event being canceled as it should have been, because some a bunch of MMA fans are just the worst. And if you think that applies to you, I hope it doesn't, because I, again I know there's a chunk out there that are again just kind of the worst. I hope that you listening to this are not part of that. I mean, look, if you are, I don't... I'd say I don't care, but you're listening to my show, so thank you. Even if you're part of that contingent. Uh, I hope you're not, because I hope and I want the fan base to be better. And this this last event seems to have brought out the worst. Or the worst... Or the worst segment of the fan base became incredibly vocal. And I'd really rather the, you know, how do you say it now, the better angels of our nature prevailed instead of the worst. Alright, um, while we're waiting for some stuff to resume normalcy, uh, what can you can find me this coming week? I think I will be on a TV party for the Netflix series Agretzko. Uh My... My uh, tape study, so my uh, career retrospective and skills study for Mauricio Shogun Hua should be dropping this week. That took a lot longer than I thought it would. Um, Shogun's had a very prolific career, not only in terms of years, but in terms of number of fights. So, uh, I got old, took a while to get through, but... I'm kind of to the point where, all right, I remember you know, enough of the more recent fights I have a clear enough memory of that if I want to talk about them, I can do so. 
without having to rewatch them. So that should be dropping at some point this week, which I'm looking forward to doing. Uh, should be fun again. I, to anyone that likes these things that I do, please let me know. <laughs> uh, I hate to be, you know, begging for some kind of interaction, but at the moment I'm doing these again to kind of to help keep myself busy, to help pr- keep producing content for you, because I enjoy them. But I'd really like to know if you guys enjoy them. My one on Dominic Cruz came out a couple of weeks ago, and uh, a handful of people, well, a couple that you know I know listened to it and said they enjoyed it so if you listened to that and enjoyed it thank you very much if you listened to it and thought it sucked uh, please let me know how I could improve it I I appreciate constructive criticism I really do always trying to make this better um, so look forward to that and yeah if something else crazy happens in the world of MMA we'll be back next week if nothing crazy happens uh, we might take the week off we'll see so hope you'll all You're all staying safe out there, and I hope you will please, please, please continue to be well, be safe, and behave.